Chapter Thirteen of the Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods by Clarence Hawkes. Chapter 13 Bob's Revenge. Bob was the old cottontail who sat at the foot of the trysting tree during the morning and evening meetings. He was a prime favorite with the birds and squirrels, and was greatly respected by the other rabbits that lived in the community. But most of them lived way back in a large swamp, several miles from the beautiful grove that the little foresters inhabited. Bob's home was in the spruces, down by the swale. It was not as swampy as he would have liked, but there was a little laurel, some birches, and a thick growth of spruces that made a fine cover for a rabbit to hide in. Bob was a very clever rabbit, and his wisdom and foresight were often praised among the birds and squirrels. He knew every old log in the forest, and all the best places to hole, but he rarely did that when pursued, for it was more dangerous than staying outside. He preferred to stay above ground, dodging about in the spruces and hiding in brambles and tangles of laurel, where he was comparatively safe from his enemies." He would often sit for an hour at a time upon the end of an old log, planning what he would do if certain dangers came upon him, and there was no part of the woods where he had not some hiding place or way of escape. As he sat upon the log with his ears cocked and his bright restless eyes looking in every direction, he made a very pretty picture. He always seemed to be either listening or looking for something, and with good reason, for it was only by keeping a strict lookout and by having those tall ears always cocked that Bob escaped his many enemies. Of all the small creatures of the woods, the rabbit is the most beset with enemies, and his one refuge in peril is in his long, nimble legs. It may seem strange to my little reader that anything should want to harm so pretty a creature as a rabbit, but the wild animals prey upon one another, and man preys upon them all. There was Redtail, who was always on the lookout that he might spy Bob in the open and swoop down upon him. Danger, the great white owl, had the same ambition as the hawk, but he did his thieving and killing by night instead of by day. The farmhouse cat was always watching for him by the path, and Sir Reynard, the sly fox who lived in the ledges over in the pasture, had sworn that the young foxes should sup on rabbit some night, and Bob was the particular cottontail on whom he had his eye. Many a brisk race for life the fox had given the rabbit through the spruces, but thus far Bob had always eluded his enemy. 
even at night when the rabbit went to sleep in a hollow log or in one of the holes that he inhabited, he was not at all sure that when he awoke he might find a weasel hanging upon his neck, sucking his life blood, or men might come with a hound and a ferret that would rush into the hole and scare him forth where he would be caught in a bag. So was it any wonder that Bob's ears and nose twitched nervously and that his eyes seemed to be looking in all directions at once? Sir Raynard and Bob had never been friends, and for two years past open war had existed between them, and this was the way it came about. Bob was getting his breakfast one morning upon the bark of a yellow birch when the fox happened along. "'Good morning, friend Rabbit,' said the fox in his most gracious manner. "'May I come and help you gnaw that birch?' "'You may have it all,' replied the rabbit, hopping to the other side of a clump of bushes and watching the old fox closely, for he well knew that foxes did not gnaw birches, and Sir Raynard had some other motive than to gnaw the birch.' "'Why do you always keep a bush between us?' asked the fox, trying to smile, and at the same time not to have his teeth show. But Bob could see them plainly. "'Because your beauty dazzles me, and I cannot bear to look upon it all at once,' replied the rabbit. "'Ah,' said the fox, smiling in spite of himself, for he was quite vain. "'Let me come into this opening,' so that you can get a good look at me. Then he stepped a little to one side, that he might clear a low bush, and bounded towards the cottontail. But Bob had been watching him, and was off before the fox had made his second spring. He was no match for Sir Raynard, running in the open, but here he could dodge and turn, winding out and in among the spruces where it was hard to go. Beside, his hole was not far away, and all the time he was drawing nearer to it. Presently, he shot down into his burrow, and Sir Raynard was left standing at the mouth, panting and licking his chops at the thought of what a good breakfast the rabbit would have made. "'That was a fine run we had,' said Bob, looking up at the fox and smiling. "'It will start the blood and help your appetite.' At this taunt, and the thought of his empty stomach, the fox snapped his teeth together like a steel trap and snarled, You had better not anger me too much, for we shall have a settling one of these days. I shall not always let you off so easy. Little you had to do about it, retorted the rabbit. I let myself off. Oh, I could have caught you if I had wanted to replied the fox, but I saw that you were poor and thought I'd wait until you got fat. You'd better not wait in these parts, said the rabbit. I heard the farmer complaining the other day that you had been catching his hens, and he said that your hide would be drying upon the barn within the week. Did he? asked the fox, feigning indifference. He will have to catch me before he can skin me. I do not leave my hide upon a bush every morning to be had for the taking. I, too, heard him complaining, 
He said the rabbits had been eating his parsnips, and he knew the thief, and that he would come soon with the hound and ferret to rid the woods of him. I wish you would take yourself away from my hole, said the rabbit. Your beauty dazzles me and hurts my eyes. I have no further use for you. Nor I for you, replied the fox. Good morning, and he was gone. A few moments later, Bob heard him bark a short distance away. It was very strange, for a fox rarely barks in the daytime but after a moment's thought it was plain to the rabbit. Sir Reynard had wished him to think he was gone, and so had barked. He was doubtless at that very moment crouching behind the stump at the mouth of the hole, waiting for him to appear. Bob stayed in his hole all day and well on into the evening. Then he went to his front door to listen, and after sitting there for several minutes and not hearing anything, he ventured forth, but he had not taken half a dozen hops when he heard a noise behind him. Looking about, he saw the fox sitting in front of his hole, grinning and showing a fine set of teeth. "'Good evening, friend rabbit,' said the fox in his most gracious manner. "'You see, I think so much of you that I have been hanging around all day.' I could not bear to leave you so long alone. The cottontail squatted low to the ground with his legs well under him, ready for a spring. Didn't you get hungry? He asked carelessly, as though the fact that a fox was hungry was of small account to him, but he was quivering in every nerve. He had often thought of such a predicament as this, and had laid his plans well, but now he was face to face with the peril. He was not so sure of his speed and steadiness, for it was a very dangerous thing that he was about to do, and any deviation from the right path by even six inches would end disastrously. He had often practiced the run. It was just fifteen jumps ahead, two sharp to the right, and then one long jump through something, and that was where the danger lay. Bob did not wait for the fox to make the first move, for his nerve was getting unsteady, but with a sudden movement, quick as a flash, he bounded away with the fox after him, only two jumps behind, and gaining a little at each jump. By the time they reached the little spruce, Half of the distance between them had been gained by the fox. He was sure of his supper this time. Then the rabbit gave two quick jumps to the right. Here there were alder bushes, and it was a little dark, but Sir Reynard's jaws were almost upon him. Then Bob cleared a low alder bush with the fox barely six feet behind him, but midway in the bush the fox stopped and was hurled back as though by an unseen hand. There was a half-stifled howl of pain from Sir Reynard as he lay quivering upon the grass with the blood streaming down his face from an ugly gash in the forehead. It was several moments before he knew quite what had happened. 
but when he finally aroused himself, the rabbit was gone, and peering cautiously into the bush from which he had just been so violently flung, he discovered a barbed wire fence. Then he knew how completely he had been trapped by the cottontail, and from that hour he laid plans for Bob's destruction, and never by night or day did he lose sight of his purpose. If it had not been for the birds and the squirrels, all of whom loved Bob and hated Sir Reynard, it is very probable that the rabbit would have fallen prey to some of the many devices that the crafty old fox employed to catch him. But these little friends were always on the lookout for Bob, and if they spied the fox lying in wait for him, they always warned him. Every morning Cock Robin would fly over to Bob's hole. He would always go early, before breakfast, that he might warn the rabbit if Sir Reynard was waiting for him behind the stump. Bob would come cautiously up to the mouth of his hole. Cock Robin would be sitting upon the top of a birch a few rods away, and if he said, Cheery, cheery, Bob would know that the coast was clear and come hopping out. But if Cock Robin gave his note of alarm, quit, 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 Bob would know that the fox was waiting for him and go back for another nap. Sir Reynard would glare up savagely at the robin when he heard him give the warning note, but the bird was well out of his way and did not fear him. Although he did fear that the fox might find a young robin by the path some day and eat it up for revenge, but this he would do anyway, so it did not matter. Thus the days went on, with Sir Reynard planning trick after trick, and Bob dodging and avoiding his traps as best he might. But this being always hunted and feeling that he must not be off his guard for even a moment began to tell on the cottontail. He got nervous, grew poor, and was very wild, so that sometimes even his friends could not get near him to speak a word of encouragement. But with each day's failure, Sir Reynard's wrath grew and he redoubled his efforts. His temper was not improved by having Mrs. Fox laugh and poke fun at him, saying that his cunning had forsaken him when a cottontail could outwit him. At last growing desperate with being hunted so long, Bob decided to take matters into his own hands and try a little stratagem himself. This conclusion was greatly strengthened by his finding something in the path one day that he thought might aid him in carrying out his plan. It was not skillfully placed, but Bob at once told his friends that they might be on their guard. At the same time, he took Cock Robin and several other birds into his confidence, and they covered this something that Bob had found with leaves, making it look as though the leaves had fallen from a bare limb just above the path. Bob then adopted a new mode of life. He got up very early every morning, while the stars were still shining, and went forth into the woods. He would then make a circuit of the spruces, taking care to leave a good trail in the dew, 
and finally come around to the place where he had buried something in the leaves. When he would run, and with a great spring, jump over the spot where the leaves had fallen so thickly on the ground. Then he would make a circuit of the maple grove, coming back and jumping over exactly the same spot again, after which he would take a short turn down the road and another into the pasture. But this was Sir Reynard's domain, so he went very cautiously, pausing every few moments to listen, take bearings, and see where he could fly to if pursued. Here he always kept in the shadow of a bush and near cover. Some of the birds and squirrels who saw him on these morning runs warned him against leaving so many fresh tracks in the morning dew. Bob only chuckled at their warnings and went on his way, hopping carefully along, always keeping his wits about him. Sir Reynard at once noticed the fresh tracks in the wet grass and smiled a broad smile, for he thought that his enemy was getting careless and felt sure that his patience would soon be rewarded by a rabbit breakfast. Finding the fresh rabbit tracks for several days in succession, Sir Reynard decided to be up the next morning betimes and lay in wait for the unwary cottontail. So the next morning he arose before daybreak. "'Where are you going so early?' asked Mrs. Fox. "'I am going to have one more try at that old bobtail, and unless I am mistaken, you and the children will dine on rabbit today.' So he set off through the woods with a light heart and with great assurance. When he came to the edge of the maple grove, he sniffed the air cautiously. There was the scent of rabbit not far away. Presently, he struck the track. It was very fresh. His enemy was not a dozen rods away. So Sir Reynard followed the trail boldly and swiftly, feeling that his hour of triumph was near at hand. A few rods further on, he caught sight of the cottontail hopping leisurely along, and he quickened his pace, but was careful to go very quietly. So keeping close to the ground, and stepping as light as a cat, he crept swiftly on. Then he heard a little note of alarm from a brown bird in the thicket, but he did not mind it. Brownie had seen him and called down to Bob of his coming, but the rabbit did not hurry, for he was near to the spot where he always made the big jump. He was playing a game of life and death, and understood the risk that he ran. Presently he heard a twig snap in the thicket, not more than three rods away. Then he knew that he must be moving, so he hopped quickly to the spot where the dead leaves lay thickly upon the ground, gave his long spring, hopped into some small spruces, and squatted. Sir Reynard caught sight of him through the thicket, as he made the big jump. Aha, my fine fellow, he thought, you are playing leapfrog, and little you know of my whereabouts, but I will teach you. He hoped to catch the rabbit at his play and take him before he knew what had happened. There was no need of caution. Now was the time to act boldly. So he moved swiftly into the open, 
going with head up, following by body scent and not sniffing the track. Had he been less reckless and kept his nose to the trail, he might have scented danger. Along the path, he came to the place where the ground was strewn with leaves, but he scented something in the thicket just beyond. His nostrils dilated, and his yellow eyes gleamed with a terrible fire. Suddenly, he sprang into the air with a half-stifled yelp of pain. There was a rustle in the leaves, the rattle of a chain, and Sir Reynard was snapping and biting furiously at a trap which was firmly fastened upon his forepaw just above the joint. At first he thought to soon wrench himself free, but the jaws of the trap set tighter and tighter as he struggled. Then the horror of the situation came upon him, and he lay down in the leaves, trembling and whining. Then a rustle in the thicket caught his attention, and he looked up to see old Bob squatting under the spruces, looking at him. Ah, this is your doing, villain, he snarled, shaking his aching paw and glaring at the rabbit with a wild fury in his cruel yellow eyes. Let me but get this hateful trap off my paw, and I will strew your white fur all over the woods. When you get that trap off your paw, repeated Bob with great coolness, I will not mind your doing it, but I do not expect you will get off. You and I have long had an account to settle, and now we will settle it. I did not bear you any ill will at first and would not have harmed you in this way had you not hunted me night and day and made my life a burden. What I have done, I have done in self-defense, so your blood is upon your own head. You have ruined me, snarled Sir Reynard, snapping at the trap and glaring at Bob. Mrs. Fox and the children will avenge my death. On the contrary, they will know nothing about it, said Bob. They will simply discover your hide upon the shed up at the farmhouse and conclude you were killed with the thunderstick, as will be the case, for even now I hear the farmer coming. Sir Reynard saw that Bob had spoken truly, for while he was still speaking, Grip's sharp bark rang out, and they could hear the farmer calling him to heel. Goodbye, said the rabbit. It is nothing that I could help. I simply had to save myself. And he hopped away through the thicket. A few moments later, the terrible roar of the thunderstick rang out on the morning air, and Bob knew that his enemy was dead, and that now he could again enjoy the sweet fields and the green woods as he had done in the good old days before Sir Reynard came his way. End of chapter 13